In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who defined it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Welcome to Be Fulfilled, the real stories behind success. My name is Tony Grubmeyer, episode 23 with Matt Inglot. And Matt is the creator of FreelanceTransformation.com, where he helps freelance designers, developers, and marketers to win clients and build a dream lifestyle through freelancing. Matt's expertise comes from running a web agency for 11 years, which he transformed from a traditional brick and mortar office about 80 hours a work week to significantly less work and far greater profitability. From that experience, Matt has realized that most freelancers and consultants make life far more difficult for themselves than it needs to be. So welcome to the show today, Matt. Thank you so much, Tony. I'm really glad to be here. I'm excited, Matt. We had a chance to uh, have a call a few months ago and I was left with, I really can't wait for our interview. I was just touched by who you are, how you show up in the world and what you're up to. But before we get into really who you are, we want to kind of know what your definition of success is. Yeah. And that's a really interesting question. And I think you're starting with the hard ones. I'm going to say, I think the most important thing for me personally with success is actually the title of your show, which is to be fulfilled and maybe more importantly, feel fulfilled. Wake up every day wanting to go through the day, wanting to do life and wanting to do it again tomorrow. And that's a lot more complicated, I guess, than just something as simple as, hey, my business is doing well, or my bank account is doing well, or I have this, I have that. But it's the totality of how you feel when you get up in the morning, because I've been down both roads. I've had periods of my life where you know I really didn't want to wake up. I didn't want to do the next thing because life wasn't where I wanted it to be. And then I've had times where I wake up and I'm like, holy cow, could life get any better? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Like reading a little bit about who you are and kind of understanding your background. I mean, we're going to talk today about working 80 hours a week and then how you were able to transform that to far less and feeling probably more in touch with who you are as a human and knowing that your business is more profitable. So we're going to talk about that. But let's figure out a little bit about where you came from and where you grew up and learn about your childhood because I think your childhood also shapes a little bit of who you become because it's some of the stuff that you have to go through. Where did you grow up? So I was actually born in Poland. Not too many people know this about me. I am an immigrant, but I moved, well, my my parents moved and I came with them, of course, (laughs) when I was four years old. So it was early on. And it was interesting because my first language is Polish, even though I now speak English better. I now get laughed at when I try to speak in Polish. But it meant that when I was starting grade one, I was suddenly having to learn a language that I knew nothing about. I didn't know what English was. I didn't know how to speak it. And there was a surprising amount of cultural differences too coming into Canada, such as the whole hockey thing. Um, that I, I don't think I ever quite understood as a result. And then I grew up here in Canada. I'm proud to call it home. And yeah. That's where I'm so from. growing up, I could imagine first grade kind of uncertain, not knowing everything. How quickly did you pick up English? So I'm not sure because we're going that very far back, but it wasn't easy because some part of me just resisted that reality to the point where 
for at least a few of my assignments, my teacher let me get away with writing complete gibberish in my notebook and then telling her it was Polish. And I would just be writing random letters. And I would like to think that the teacher knew this and she was just humoring me and kind of helping me come to grips with that. And part of me wonders if I really did trick her. I don't know. I like that. What kind of student were you after that? Like kind of getting you ready for kind of high school. What kind of student were you? A, B, C? Were you there like 100% or were you daydreaming about other things? I was a daydreaming A student for sure. I daydreamed my way through elementary school, through high school. Uh, By the time high school rolled around, I was... My last couple of years of high school, I was trying to start a business and it started with trying to start a computer repairs business. And that's when I realized there's actually absolutely no money in that world whatsoever. And then I pivoted to running a website about a video game. And then I started writing my own software that I eventually did sell and make a little bit of money from. So school was kind of a distant third or fourth priority. Um, I would wake up in the morning on test day, and that would be the first day I'd be looking through any of my notes. But I did change my tune in university and put more effort and emphasis on it. Although, ironically, I was still running businesses and other things. So I got to admit, I wasn't like your perfect student. I don't expect you to be, knowing kind of your background and what you're up to. And I love the fact that you're like, I ran a computer repair business and there's no money in it. Yeah, because everybody's yelling at you to fix it as fast as you can because they can't use their computer. And it's almost cheaper in a lot of ways to go buy a new computer than have sometimes take it into. Uh, so you, you had a software company, or at least you were writing software. And uh, what did that turn into? You just sold that company after a couple of years? No, I, I sold the software for two years. made, I think, somewhere around 15000 in sales. I'm really guessing here. Sure. But I realized... I didn't actually know how to market this product. I had built it for myself to scratch an itch that I had. And over the period of spending lots of late nights building it for two years, I never really bothered to do any market research, nor did I really understand what market research was. So when I released it, I had a pretty good plan for launching it to one community. And after that, there was nothing. That was the end of marketing plan. It was kind of one of those dot, dot, dot profit type deals. And that doesn't work. So very early on, I learned about the importance of early validation and not spending two years of your head down building something that you think is the greatest thing in the world and then just expecting to get rich after, which was kind of my life plan at that point. I think a lot of young entrepreneurs are like, what can I do to get rich, right? And they don't realize it's called work and a lot of time. So talk about your business. You ran a uh, web agency, it looks like for at least 11 years. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's actually turned 12 now since I guess I gave you that information. So we're now officially 12 years old. And yeah, this is this is still what I do. It started as me in university building websites. And the way that came around was... I did move out of my parents' house when I started school, or actually after my first year of school. What happened is they actually moved, and I chose to stay at my university. So I was kind of forced to fend for myself at that time. No more you know, free rent, free food. I had to pay it all. I had to pay tuition. My parents didn't have the money to put me through school or give me any of these things. They gave me $100 to pay for orientation week, and that was the sum total of parental support because they didn't have the money. So the way I was paying for all of that is I was working a dream job at a startup while going to school. 
and I was doing marketing for them. But unfortunately, I learned that startups run out of money. And this one was no exception whatsoever. And so about three months into this amazing gig, I walk in one day into the office. The mood is kind of sober. The lights are kind of low. And there's not a lot of people there. I'm like, that's kind of interesting. So I go to sit down at my workstation and I try to log in and my username and password aren't working. So I go to my manager. I'm like, hey, you know, my username and password aren't working. And that's when we had the conversation. So that day, a third of the company was laid off. And shortly after, they were just completely bankrupt. So I started building websites for people because I had to replace my income. I didn't really like the idea of you know, serving coffee or burgers or that kind of thing. But I knew how to build websites. So I started building websites. And that actually started working. My first website sold for $300. Not a lot of money by our standards, but a lot of money for a student. And then the next website sold for $700. And I just kept doing it. And unlike a lot of people that get into this, I just decided that this is actually going to be the thing that I do. I don't need to do any internships or anything in the summer. I'm just going to pursue this. And because I think because I grew up in Waterloo, Ontario, which is like Canada's version of Silicon Valley, it was drilled into me that the only way to run a business was to build a big business. So I was immediately making this giant mental leap from building websites on my own to suddenly having like the world's biggest website development company. So while I was still in school, I rented an office. I hired my first full-time developer. I didn't really have the money for any of this. It was always kind of like just barely getting by. But I was getting by and it kept expanding. And next thing you know, I had a bigger office and more employees. And in 2011, everything finally imploded. The fact that I didn't actually know how to run an agency, had never worked at an agency, had minimal real business experience, it finally caught up to me. And in 2011, I ran out of money, basically. And I ran out of patience for working 80 hours trying to make this work. And that's where I completely revamped my business, which we can talk about. But Fast forward to today, it's a virtual business that I've been running for, you know, like I said, 12 years, seven of years of that without an office, without a commute, being able to live anywhere. Recently moved to Calgary, which is an hour and a half drive from the mountains. Behind me is a photo of the mountains that, and the exact mountains we can drive to so quickly. And it's just, it's awesome. I love it. And I love what my business has turned into. Yeah, you know, uh, along the journey of getting to know you, I realized that you have just a passion of helping people, the community. You're also a host of a very successful podcast. So I want to talk a little bit about that as we climb up Success Mountain. You know, the thing that's fascinating really quick, you know, you, you talk about like something like, I came here from Poland at age four. I haven't really shared that with a lot of people. I wouldn't even know if you didn't tell me, like you just speak awesome. Like I think your language is perfect. You live in Canada. So I just kind of expected it to, a, to be a little Canadian. So <laughs> you're doing a great job. I just, I want to tell you that because it's interesting when things come out, we're like, oh, I really not, I haven't talked about that a lot. And it's kind of funny. Then you're like, Oh, should I talk more? I'm like, yes, because you're fascinating. And what you're doing is really helping to transform and change people's lives. So let's talk about your business today as it is. So you went through those seasons, as I like to call them in business and life. We go through those seasons where everything's humming along, we're doing great. And I've had that happen too. I've logged into my computer one day. I'm like, I don't have access. What's going on? What was that emotion like for you inside? Like when you tried to log in after you kind of knew like, all right, 
didn't work. I'm going to go to my manager. But after you had that kind of conversation with your manager, what was the emotions like inside? Were you pissed? Were you happy? Were you like relieved? Like, tell me a little bit about that. At that point, I still do remember this. At that point, I was mostly numb, right? It was just such a big change. Obviously, it impacted my income and everything around that. Uh, I really believed in the business. I still believe in their technology. And their technology was so far ahead that I think it's still 10 years away from today before it's at all marketable. Um, and it was amazing. So it was hard to hear that you know these people that you looked up to and this business that you looked up to was not doing well. And that kind of sucked to hear because, again, I believed in it. And then eventually it sunk in the reality that, hey, I no longer have any money and I have no way to support myself. And that could be a problem. And to tell you the truth, the only way I actually got through it all in the short run was I was lucky enough that I had applied for a student line of credit basically weeks before I got laid off. And the only reason the bank had approved that was that income because I didn't have a co-signer. Again, it wasn't something my parents could do for me. So the only reason they gave me that loan was because of that position. And a few weeks later, it had evaporated. But thankfully, I had that line of credit. And that gave me those precious months to find website clients, to get something going, to actually create an income for myself. Well, you know, in the form to kind of come on the show, one of the questions is, is pick a theme slash movie that best represents your journey as an entrepreneur. And you picked Mission Impossible. <laughs> but I tell you, Ethan, you figured it out. Like you got to the end and somehow, I love it. They gave you a loan based on your position and that company is no longer like in that same spot. And there you go. You got some money. So did you take that money and parlay it into putting food on the table, rent over your head, and then you put it into your business? Yep, that's exactly it. It kept me fed. It kept me having beer and all that good stuff. And meanwhile, like I said, I was out there hustling, getting clients and trying to make this whole thing work. And fortunately, the intersection of when the business was successful enough to actually feed me and do all that stuff on its own and the intersection of when the line of credit ran out, fortunately, you know, there was that point where I made it before the money ran out. But it could have gone another way. If I, if I hadn't tried hard enough, if I hadn't told everybody that I met, it didn't matter if you were serving me coffee, you would find out that I built websites. If I hadn't done that, if I hadn't hustled, then yeah, I probably would have ran out of money and I have no idea what happens after. It's probably not good. And that's why I want to talk to people like you. I want to talk to people who are inspired to not give up, to push forward so let's, let's talk about modern day business. And what I want to do is, is I want to talk a little bit about kind of some of the things that are foundational pieces in your life today. Some of the things that maybe your books, maybe uh, coaches, mentors, maybe a masterminds you're a part of, things that like hold you kind of accountable to who you are. Because at the end of the day, right, I choose to be my word, but I still make mistakes. I still let people down. I still don't always clean up my mess as fast as I possibly can but I have great people around me to support me to make sure that I keep moving forward. And you have had to keep moving forward since coming to America at age four. That's been your story. I'm going to figure it away no matter what. So tell me a little bit about kind of your mindset stuff that you're into, personal development, reading books. Give me a glimpse into that part of you. Oh, that's a good one. So let's deal with books first because books were phenomenally important to me even early on. Because I reached a critical point right after high school where 
what you're supposed to do is go to university right away, or I guess in the US, you guys call it college, but that's the thing that you're supposed to do right away. And I didn't really want to do that because I had written this software program and I wanted to take a different path. And the reason that I was on that path was because I started reading self-help books. I think it was Tony Robbins that I first discovered and my friend was into like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but it was just this literature that you could get access to at a very early age where somebody was telling you that there was a different path than just what school and your parents and everybody around you were telling you because people of a like mind seem to group together. And that's a good thing sometimes and not a good thing sometimes. So if you're raised in like a middle-class family that values work at a job and a steady job, they're all going to have friends that value the same thing. Your social circle, your world is going to be that point of view. You're supposed to get a good job. And self-help books were a way to get exposure to a completely different viewpoint. And a viewpoint that honestly made a lot more sense to me. So that's where I first kind of started gobbling them up and just started kind of changing my programming. And that allowed me to take that step of saying, hey, I'm not going to go to university right away. I'm going to try this business thing. And then I am going to go to school. I do think it's important, but I'm going to take a year and a half off and I'm going to do that first. I'm so glad I did it. I learned a lot. And yeah, that program wasn't super successful at the end, but the experiences were so valuable that it was worth it. And then fast forward to I'm running my web agency. Some things are going well, some things are not not going well. And I pick up a book called The 4-Hour Workweek, which at this point, I think everybody has heard of it. It, it's, It's a huge, huge bestseller. But when I was first exposed to it, um, it hadn't come out for very long and most people didn't know what it was about. And the title was just so scandalous that I just had to read it. Like, what are you talking about a four-hour work week? That's ridiculous. Oh, you know, kudos to Tim Ferriss. He came up probably with one of the best book titles in the past century. So I read it and that exposed me to this whole idea of thinking about your business and your work, not in terms of time, but how can you automate things and how can you create a system where you can create success without working yourself like crazy? So obviously, I took the advice of that book to heart because a couple of years later, I was working 80-hour work weeks. So that didn't work out so well. But when everything was crumbling around me, I revisited that book. And this time, I did actually pay attention to the lessons. And that ended up being a pivotal book in rebuilding my business because it forced me to challenge every single assumption about what an agency is supposed to look like, what a business is supposed to look like. And it gave me the ability to come to the conclusion that all the work that we're doing with my agency, we don't need an office space for that. The office space was a huge liability in so many ways. We don't need full-time employees. And actually, full-time employees are a poor way to run this business because my requirements for staffing were so different every single month. Sometimes we had a lot of programming that needed to be done. Sometimes we had a lot of design that needed to be done. So that book allowed me to challenge that and say, okay, what if it's not full-time employees? What else is out there? And just challenge every single piece of my business and find out what parts of it are actually working. And I rebuilt it thanks to Tim Ferriss and thanks to For Our Workweek as a huge driving force in that. Yeah, I was on your site. We were taking a look at kind of some of the uh, content that you have been putting out. And I saw Tim Ferriss's book out there. And, you know, the four-hour work week has changed a lot of people's mindset. As you called it, like a little bit, in my opinion, 
a far reach, right? Because who, who really can work four hours a week? I've actually met entrepreneurs now who actually work less than four hours a week. And I find it fascinating. Not only are they happy, more productive, they're spending most of their time doing what they love. So if work wasn't something that you needed to do, what would Matt be doing? So the more fascinating thing about your comment is you found entrepreneurs that were willing to work a four-hour work week because this is where things get difficult. And actually, four-hour work week does address this in the last chapter. But it's like if you eliminate all the busy work that you think you need to be doing in order to be successful, in order to feel successful, what's left? Right. And that becomes a much harder question. So in my example, uh, once I really rebuilt my agency and got it going on a good path, I was down to 20 hours a week. And I, I just I didn't know what to do with that. I really honestly didn't. And I found myself making those mistakes of just creating busy work for myself. So that's where I decided, okay, I don't necessarily want to spend more time in the agency, but I want to be doing something. And that's where freelance transformation came along. And that's where I said, hey, I want to help others do freelancing and consulting the right way. Because it is possible to make really a few changes in your business and have a very different outcome in terms of the time you spend on clients, the amount of money that you make from them, and ultimately just how you feel about that work. It's all solvable. And it just it took me a really long time to realize that. So that's where I started my podcast, started an email list, eventually built a course. And that's just been my way of doing something else. I realized that I'm a builder. I like building businesses. I like building something that provides value to other people. So I didn't necessarily want to take that away. What I wanted to take away was all the stuff that I didn't enjoy about a business, like the bookkeeping or like dealing with bad clients or feeling like you have to go to work every single morning or everything falls apart. That's what I wanted to remove. But I didn't want to remove being a business owner because it turns out that's pretty fundamental to my identity. So I still do a lot of that. And I'm also a woodworker. When I'm not busy injuring myself, I'm a rock climber, but currently going to physiotherapy for my back now. So I'll get, I'll get back into it after I fix that. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I still need something that's bigger than just sitting in a hammock and drinking a mojito and calling it a day. I love it. All right. So cliffhanger time. We're going to leave Matt right there. Right there, we're going to talk about exactly what does that look like for him when we come back on the Be Fulfilled Show. We're going to be talking to somebody who's been able to flip the script on you know going to the office and grinding out eight hours of work week to now figuring out, he's talking about 20, how to be able to build a freelance agency, how to find time to podcast, hang out with your friends, drink beer, have a good time, but still focusing on the things that you do enjoy. So we talked about cliffhanging, woodworking. We talked about building a business. And really the idea of about employees coming into the office and eh, maybe I don't want that. What could I do and how could I create a business with people virtually everywhere? And it's going to be one of these episodes where we're going to go down Success Mountain and we're going to have Matt kind of lead us through some more stuff. But I want you guys to know, if you're listening really, really clear to what Matt's talking about, he's talking about how he came here at four and has been adaptable ever since. He went through high school into college finances, business job. He kept pivoting. He didn't stay so like, oh my gosh, it's coming to an end. The world's coming. Oh, I lost my job. He just kept moving forward. I think that's the essential ingredient today to Matt's success is being able to pivot, but be mindful of where you're going. So we're going to do that and so much more when we return on the Be Fulfilled Show with today's guest, Matt Inglot. 
Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. It is Tony Grebmeyer. We're back on Be Fulfilled. Today's special guest, Matt Inglot, joins us. Now, here's the deal. I left some of you guys on a cliffhanger. And at the break, I was asking Matt, so what kind of, is it rock climbing? Is it like ice climbing? What do you call it? He's like, well, there's a couple things. First, Tony, let me tell you, um, we probably need to take some classes and lessons because right now we have somebody going with us. And I said, okay, but like, what is it? And, and ice climbing is kind of like something that to me, I'm thinking of Sylvester Stallone. You remember that movie and he's doing this, these stunts in this pick and he's trying to move up and rock climbing. I'm thinking a little bit more with like some steady things in and you're pulling yourself on some pulleys and you're doing it. You got some, I'm afraid of heights. How the <laughs> heck do you manage to just overcome that? Are you only looking forward, never looking down? Give me an idea just so I can get a glimpse into your mindset. Yeah. So rock climbing is my main thing. And, you know, I do really love it. But like you were saying, you know, there's also ice climbing. That's what we're hoping to learn more and be able to do on our own. But both of them include heights. And the thing is, I'm scared of heights. I don't want to do skydiving like ever. And before I started rock climbing, like just being up high made me uncomfortable. Being in a plane made me uncomfortable. And the simple thing is that once I started rock climbing, I went from being terrified of being up high to being slightly less terrified of being up high to being slightly, slightly less terrified of being up high. And it's just this exposure therapy where once you've climbed up that wall a couple hundred times, it doesn't seem so scary anymore. But I don't, I don't have any magic pill I can give you that's going to transfer that to you. You just got to go to a climbing gym or something and you got to do it yourself. And you got to accept that it's not going to be great going up that wall the first few times, even though you're perfectly safe. Yeah. And you talk about with your partner, who is your wife, she holding the rope, you holding the rope, like, give me like, man, I'd be so afraid because, you know, one of the reasons why I have a fear is... I'm afraid of anything that I don't have control over, Mm -hmm. right? So that's my fear. It's not necessarily so much a fear of heights. I've jumped off of 100-foot cliffs before, and I've also jumped off of 14. But it's when I have something strapped to me, and I'm not 100% control over it. How do you feel about control for you? Like, how's control? That's a hard one, too. I mean, I, I think you really hit the nail on the head. That's part of what makes it scary. So there's a person that's belaying you. So they're in charge of basically pulling in the slack on the rope because when you think about it as you're climbing higher, you know, you need to pull in some rope or if you fall, you're just going to hit the ground. And I'm simplifying this a little bit. But yes, someone else is absolutely in charge of your life. And hopefully you trust that person because if they don't do a good job belaying, then yeah, you could fall. Um, It could be bad, especially once you get into sport climbing where there's more technique to belaying than just pulling in rope. Hey, Matt, hold on a second. I'm trying to pull you up, but I got to take this call. It's my my mom. Hello. (laughs) Like that's what I'm afraid of, right? 100% of your time and attention needs to be on the person you're working with. And you know what? Especially with top rope, there's people that do that and it's terrible. Wow. I can't even imagine. All right. So one of the things on this journey that I'm learning about you today is this passion. 
right? You talk about it with Tim Ferriss and really getting deep dived into his book and just understanding it. But you write a little bit about how you help freelance designers, developers, and marketers to win clients, right? And build a dream lifestyle through freelancing. Can you talk a little bit about what does that truly look like for you and how you're helping people? Yeah. So what that looks like for me in terms of, you know, how do you help freelancers is ultimately they got into freelancing for a reason, first of all, right? And usually it has something to do with deciding that employment is not the best opportunity for them. They want more flexibility with their work hours. They want more flexibility with their location. They want the flexibility to make more money sometimes or just be able to be a good dad or a good mom or just you know not devote all their lives to that corporate culture. But the problem is that it's nice to decide all that. It's a whole other matter to do it successfully. So the unfortunate stereotypical freelancer path goes, they go out on their own, they start finding clients, and they quickly find themselves in this weird position where they're simultaneously somehow making less money than the corporate world and yet working longer hours. And that's not an accident. It's because if we don't know what we're doing, we're naturally going to fall into certain patterns, certain mistakes, try to do things that seem like a good idea, but they're really not. And next thing you know, we got ourselves in that position. And guess what? I did exactly that. I had no formal training on this when I started. I just knew I needed to make this work. So I figured everything out the hard way. But there are shortcuts where you can learn from other people's mistakes and build a very different business. Uh, One of them being having a much greater focus on who your client actually is. And it's not just about, oh, I only serve tractor supply companies or something like that. It's about understanding what size of project you need to take on in order to reach your goals. Because for example, a typical solo person can only really take on three to 10 clients at a time. There's exceptions of productized consulting and so on. But usually if you're out on your own, if you're trying to take on more than 10 clients, there's a good chance that there's something wrong going on with your business. And there's a good chance you're very overworked. And there's a very good chance that you're also wondering why your bank account isn't what it should be. And that's because you can't juggle 10 clients. It's not going to happen. So if you know that, then you know that you can't take on projects that are too small. Otherwise, you're filling up one of those precious client slots but you're not actually making the money that you need from that client. And that's disastrous. And actually, my worst year in my agency where we almost went out of business was also the year that we had the most clients because I was desperately closing any deal in order to stay afloat. That did not work. Not a good idea. So it's things like that, these realizations about how to run your business, really the business model behind freelancing and consulting, where if you apply these, you can build a very different business very, very quickly, or you can keep going off your old assumptions and struggle for years. Well, that's really what I help people overcome. You know, and and I like that because for me, it's a little bit of an alignment of finding yourself, finding your purpose and discovering your passion and then helping people to live out their dreams, right? Because I don't think at the end of the day, people love to be stuck at a job, right? I don't think people love to be in the car for an hour to two hours every single day driving to and from. I don't think people like eating out every single meal five days a week. You know, I don't think people like doing that. I don't think they like getting up at six and going to bed at seven or eight o'clock at night because they're exhausted and tired. When you were working 80 hours plus a week and you were doing all this stuff, 
did your life kind of seem a little bit like that? Was just you were exhausted and tired all the time? Oh, yeah. It's like meaning just faded away, quite frankly, because I would wake up in the morning. And by morning, I mean like five in the morning. I would go through a drive through through Tim Hortons, which is like Canada's coffee shop, um, get my extra large coffee with milk and my toasted everything bagel with herb and garlic cream cheese. I still remember that order. And I drive to the office and then you know, I just like suck down coffee all day, try to get through the day. And then I would be leaving after the cleaners had already left. I'd pass out in bed and I'd do the whole thing over and over and over again. And as you can imagine, the stress built and it's just no way to live. And then like, what's life for you today? What is life like today? Tell me your stress level compared to then to now. Yeah, it's much better. Um, usually my stress level is pretty good. You know, you, I do want to go back to this idea of seasons um, because it's very easy to put someone's story on this like narrative where there was only ever one struggle and that's it. Whereas, you know, life is not like that. You go through seasons. And I went through one last year where I actually put too much time into freelance transformation because I really wanted to release my course. And I broke a lot of my own rules around work and I overworked myself again. And I realized that was happening and I fixed that. So I want to point that out because I just don't like the idea of painting this idea of forever after. This is it. Now, you know, everything's perfect. Like every day you have to stick to your own rules. But if we look at where I am today when we're recording, I get up after eight hours of sleep, period. I don't let myself lose sleep unless I'm going to a conference or something. It has to be eight hours and I try to avoid ever scheduling anything that could prevent me from getting that eight hours. That alone makes a huge difference in life. And I work until... I feel I'm done. And sometimes that can be 5 p.m. Sometimes that can be 2 p.m. It really depends on my energy level. That's usually what I balance and not so much my calendar and my schedule is, do I want to still be doing this or is it time to move on to something else? And that's been huge for me. Most importantly, because of the way I run my business, I'm not in a position where I have to get the next client tomorrow. And that's probably the biggest thing because that means that If I choose to slow things down for a while, it's okay. We still have money. We still have great clients. We still have a business model where next month we don't have like 15 grand in expenses that we have to pay just to stay afloat, which when running an office that was happening. There's a lot of freedom to choose to work or not choose to work, to pursue things heavily like I did with my course or to take a step back. And that is probably the most important thing for me. That's You said people don't like feeling stuck. I don't like feeling stuck. So for me, having options, having choices is probably the thing. And that's super empowering. I mean, if you think about it, like what we're talking about today, it's super empowering. What I want to do, Matt, is I want to segue for a little bit. We're going to jump into a fulfillment round. Okay. So there's no phone a friend. It's just you hanging onto a rock by yourself. There is no safety net. There is no getting out of this thing alive. There's no passing. There's, there's just you, just me. And I'm promising you I'm not holding the rope because I would probably let go if I knew that there was ice and you wouldn't get hurt. I'd probably just like to see what would happen. Um, this is just for us to get to know you a little bit more. All right. So know that this is from a place of love. There is no right or wrong. It's just, let's have some fun. You ready to do this? Okay. You've really built this up. So I'm curious what these are. All right. Uh, hardest word in the English 
language. Even hard for me to pronounce. Hardest word in the English language for you to pronounce. Solder. Because being an immigrant, I put way too much faith on you guys pronouncing your words the way you write them. So one of my like most embarrassing moments was uh, pronouncing solder as solder for a very long time because it's S-O-L-D-E-R. And then one day just getting completely made fun of by a friend because he's like, what are you talking about? What is solder? And I'm like, solder, you know, <laughs> attached electronic components to a board. No, it's solder. Oh. <laughs> I, get, I could totally get that. All right. So how would you say be fulfilled in Polish? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I'm going to have to look that up. So this, again, goes back to the thing that the Polish that I learned was all the stuff that you would use typically around the house. Like I need milk and I'm hungry. Yeah, I I can tell you how to get get milk. I can't tell you how to be fulfilled or ask to be fulfilled. I don't know. All right. Favorite thing you and your wife love to do if it wasn't rock climbing or ice climbing and it's not working? What's the favorite thing you love to do outside of the house besides that? Okay, good. I know this one. And it's something that we haven't done before. Probably our best times together are really spontaneous adventures. Like we went caving for our last anniversary and that ended up being a ton of fun. Where'd you meet your wife? Online. Very cool. How else do you do it these days? I know. I, I know so many people who are so happy and I'm like, where did you meet? They're like, I met on Match or I met on Harmony. I'm like, those things work? And like, yeah. And then my business partner's Jewish and they met on Jade Date. So it's like, it's so cool just to see that. Um, what is the, the most interesting fact about you that you're willing to share that most people don't know? Well, I already shared them from Poland. So I, I guess I wanted to be a paleontologist when I grew up. And that for the longest time as a kid, that was my dream. And I'd collect dinosaur figurines and stuff at a whole dinosaur display. I was always excited to go to the dinosaur museum. And then I learned as I got a little older that the life of a paleontologist has very little to do with what they paint in the movies and a lot more just very tedious academic research. And then I decided that wasn't the life for me. Now, you mentioned beer in the beginning of our episode today. If uh, you and your buddies were to go out and drink beer, what kind of beer would you order? My favorite beer is the one I haven't tried yet, to be honest. I really like that. For example, when I was in Stockholm, uh, a few of us went to this amazing bar that had all of these weird Belgian beers I had never heard of. And one friend knew a lot about Belgian beer. So he was ordering all the right stuff and, you know... I loved it. But on a, on a typical like beer drinking, go to a random bar, I'll have Rickards Red or Stella or something like that. All right. Hollywood's calling. They're wanting to see if you're available for a movie. They decided that your life's so interesting. And uh, Arnold's, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone are not available to play in the movie. So they said, hey, you know, Matt, we're, we're really lost here. We need somebody to play you. And we know you're so busy with your freelance business, even though you only have 20 hours worth of work a week. Who would come in and play you? Oh, man, that's hard. Uh, you're making huge assumptions about the amount of TV I watch. Good thing this is in Jeopardy. I don't know. Any, anyone that's better looking than me. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll say that. But. You're a good looking guy. Don't, <laughs> don't worry about it. Matt, you know what I want to tell you is thank you for coming on the show today. It's, you're done. The fulfillment round's over. We climbed a couple mountains together. We talked a lot about your journey, your journey from an early kind of coming to America, going through the process, even the gibberish that you wrote and turned in as homework 
even how you carried through that, just so like, you know what, maybe she just knew it and just allowed me to do it to overcoming ups and downs, the jeopardies to even getting a loan when you didn't have a job. I think that was fascinating too. Like I think some of us, I mean, I know a lot of people have probably done that in their career, but then being able to take that and parlay it into a career. The one last question that I wanted to know, what was the, what was the website you curated around a game way back when? So the website started off as me playing around in Microsoft Word with the HTML feature. And at that point, um, it was just called Lord Electro's Palace. And then eventually, my writing on this computer game called Worms was noticed by this company in Sweden. And they offered to give me a domain name and a website design in exchange for sharing the ad revenue. So that then became Worm Center, the third biggest site on worms. I learned another interesting fact today from our guest, Matt Inglot. And I just want to say thank you so much. And I want to allow people to get connected. I did mention freelancetransformation.com. But how do people find you? Facebook, Instagram, where are you located? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want to find me personally, you can uh, hit me up on Twitter or Facebook. Just search for Matt Inglot, really. I don't make up handles, just Matt Inglot. We'll get you there. And otherwise, go to Freelance Transformation. The contact info is there or you know, anything website related, Tilted Pixels, my agency. And that's about it. All right. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, what an honor today to have Matt on the show, somebody who I definitely left inspired to talk to, get to know. I love his podcast. I love what he's up to. Take a moment and visit FreelanceTransformation.com. That is Matt. I am Tony. And until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, make today the best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at drainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever. Forever.